0: Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am really honored to have Emil Reddy joining us today. Emil has been a longtime fan. No, we have been a fan of yours long, we longtime admirer. <laughs> it's
1: mutual. It's mutual.
0: <laughs> and Matt Bro has has always spoken of you in such high regard, and I'm so honored that you would take the time, especially now, and, and amongst such chaos in the world and your insight and who you are and the work you're doing has never ever ever felt more needed than today so thank you and how do we dive
1: into this where do we start gosh i mean it depends on which topic you want to start with it's it's been it's been quite the whirlwind. Maybe I could just start with, as you mentioned, my name is Emil. My pronouns are they, them. And yeah, I'm super excited to to have this conversation today. I think there's so much that's on my mind right now. One is that mm. June is Pride Month mm. and we're still, we're in that. And uh, there's a lot going on in the world. And I think what you and I were kind of chatting about a bit earlier was that there there isn't one singular thing happening. Mm. It's it's about an intersection of so many things. And my hope is that right now in the world that we can see it holistically, that mm-hmm. COVID exists, that black lives do matter and have always mattered and that you know, LGBTQ Two Spirit Plus folks also exist. Therefore, Black trans lives matter, mm. and the folks that are affected the most by the pandemic are likely going to be those similar folks that we just just mentioned. So how do we see the world and see people holistically, knowing that they're not just struggling with one thing?
0: Yeah. Oh, I take a deep breath and I say, sometimes it can feel overwhelming of where do we begin or, you know, where do we start? And these aren't white tears. These are genuine heartbeats that say, how do I help? And how mm-hmm. do I do my part? And what is the right place to begin? And you know, I pause and say, I said this to you before. We hit record that sometimes the right place to start is with one conversation with one person who can help us see the world and communicate with the world in a better way. And that is why I reached out to you and I'm Mm -hmm. super grateful. And I wanna take this right back to your introduction because I feel like now, in the name of being able to do one small thing, pronouns feel like a small thing that can make such a beautiful big difference and help school us. Why do pronouns matter? And how can we help support the conversation for folks that might not identify Dare I say by their assumed gender?
1: Is that correct? Maybe by the binary that exists <laughs> in the world, you know, the right. the binary of like or heteronormativity. You know, I I feel like the reason why I would love my allies that do identify in the binary to introduce themselves to their pronouns, I, I would really appreciate it simply so that I don't feel so othered and mm. folks like me don't feel so othered. Mm. Um, you might start hearing it uh, hiccuping newborn in the background any minute. Beautiful. <laughs> He's uh seven days old. Oh. Um and, and uh so I feel coming back to that, I feel if if folks are just get into this like rhythm, just like when folks have tell people their name mm. and that's something that from a social contract that we have amongst each other, we introduce our each other by our name, if we can get in that contract the idea that our pronouns are also important. One mm. You don't make an assumption, as you just mentioned, an assumed Mm -hmm. gender of what someone might identify as. And then you Mm. also create this expansiveness of the ability to change Mm. and the ability to grow. And so all of a sudden, if you have someone in your life that has been thinking about using different pronouns or maybe does in different circles, but maybe doesn't Mm. do it at home or amongst friends that they've known for their whole life, you then create this expanse and an Mm. invitation for them to actually lean in and say, yeah, actually you have known me as this person that uses he, him pronouns, but I would love if you could try she, her with me. You know, you just, you just don't know what's going on for someone and and how they might be exploring themselves.
0: Yeah. Now um, I'm going to asterisk this podcast with everything I say here I would like your grace ahead of time that I might <laughs> fuck up and I, and I want to be able to screw up so that I can have conversations and learn. And hopefully when this podcast is published, other people learn as well. And so yeah, you have absolutely. To, we are here to correct Steph Corker. <laughs>
1: and renovate. Yeah, well, I had, I had a really amazing instructor once who called things beautiful mistakes Oh. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. Great. I'm a huge fan of, of a beautiful mistake if you're in a space where in a learning environment and in a space of growth. So we are absolutely in that space together. I'm constantly making right. mistakes. And I think that because of that, I am growing. Mm. So I, I think that that's important cool. um, because you never know, you don't know what you don't know, you know? Yeah. Yo.
0: Um. I want to know if it would, and we spoke of this before I hit record and yet help me here, would it have been helpful if I introduced you with your pronouns or is that a space that you would like? Do you want to introduce your own pronouns?
1: You know, I think it's dependent on situations. Like Mm -hmm. if you're doing an intro and you're introducing my name, then tacking on the pronouns seems like pretty organic if you are doing it the same as well if you're in an environment where you haven't checked in with someone and you're about to introduce them like to a group of friends you're with your buddy and you you've known them and you know you know what's going on for them um, but you're making an assumption then maybe you don't like maybe allow them to and that goes for names too like my birth like the name that I was given at birth, my legal name is not Emil. It's my middle name. So if someone were to introduce me with my first name, my legal name, I like they may not see that visceral response of like, actually, that's not the name that I, I really want to be seen as, yes. you know.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I really like Emil Reddy. And I said, it makes me feel like you're Ready for
1: dinner? All, I'm all always time. ready. <laughs> I'm always ready for dinner.
0: And that's I love eating. We can break bread together. So you have. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And it's not a tangent. It's a super important question. And I think it's a way that we can break down the wall of, of othering. Because there's no need for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have dedicated your most recent years to working in-house in, an, in a retail organization supporting d among other things. And yet, I want to riff on what you've been doing on the side and some of the conversations and work that you've been a part of as a consultant, because it feels very rare. It doesn't, you know, finding someone like yourself, especially in Vancouver, that's willing to be in this conversation feels so special. And I would love to be in that conversation around the questions that we aren't asking or the questions we might be too scared to ask.
1: Yeah, no, and, let's do it.
0: And and DNI feels like it really has evolved. I mean, once upon a time, it was, how do we have a, you know, gender balanced leadership team?
1: gender parity has been multiculturalism when I first started in 2005 it was about multiculturalism like it is it's like has had many names and many um yeah
0: that that, I mean doesn't that just feel so shallow right now
1: the fact that it's called something different right now
0: not that it's called something different I'm like I just I guess I will admit to once thinking that gender parity was such a big deal and I feel like on the spectrum of what matters it's like gender parity I'm like, is that really what we're fighting for? Are there not many other more important conversations to be having, I guess is my point.
1: Fair. But, you know, I think, you know, this is in my opinion, obviously, when it comes to working to elevate equity-seeking groups or to gain equity, it's not about a hierarchy of need Mm. to me. Mm. It's about a holistic approach of looking at what we need to do to change our systems to change basically systemic oppression systemic racism you know white supremacy mm. we need to recognize that it exists and it mm. exists in all factors or aspects of someone's life whether mm. it's their ability their gender their age their yeah. place of origin their ethnicity their race
0: mm.
1: you know it their their uh, sexuality or gender identity all a human exists in a world where all those things um, exist about them. So mm. why wouldn't we want to look at all of those systems to see how they're being oppressed or how some are being oppressed and some are being elevated? And how do we, how do we actually achieve equity and what does that look like? So yeah. I don't think that we can say right now, gender parity isn't important or right now abilities um, aren't important. It's all of these things are extremely important. And especially if the foundation is also, or, you know, social economic status and who is privileged in as far as like affluence and money, because money is what really uh, tends to, you know, one begets the other. Privilege and money really go hand in hand.
0: Mm.
1: So, all of these areas have to really be looked at, which means that this work is complicated. Diversity is as diverse as the name.
0: Right, right. Well said. So, when people reach out to you, do they reach out? with a lens on on one aspect of this Mm. or are they typically reaching out to say can you evaluate all all of the beautiful mess that we have
1: (laughs) it is a beautiful mess you know as a trans person of color i think that they're likely have like uh they're leaning towards either the the trans perspective or the queer perspective i identified as queer for a long time as well basically like under the rainbow flag and then also with the lived experience as a person of color, I think there's an acknowledgement that both of those lived experience bring something, but also acknowledging that lived experience alone, it isn't fair to put that on someone and that labor on someone unless they're, they're putting their hand up to do that work, which yeah. I, I have been. So I think they do have like when folks reach out to me, they're usually saying, okay, it's pride month or, you know, we're, we're really looking at our language around our policies around trans inclusion, or we're looking at, you know, the fact that many of our board members, leadership staff members are, are white. So it's, it's and, and ensuring the diversity of their recruitment strategy. So I do think that there, those areas come up, but I always go back to the fact that, you know, the work that I do, and I don't know, I don't know if this is safe for podcasts, but I'm going to say you not have to bleep it out after. No. My diversity, like training and, you know, cultural competency training is not, you know, vocabulary on what you need to say or do. Because as we just mentioned, it was multiculturalism before. Gender parity is important. That's vocabulary that you can look up in Google. My training and my work with teams, executives, is how to not be an asshole.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Like how to like... Be a kind human that sees someone for all of their complexities and then acknowledge that you yourself have mm-hmm. culture. You yourself, regardless if you're, you, you look at me as like a uh, white woman in North America and you say, I don't have culture. Like that's right off the bat. What you're saying is that everyone else does. Therefore, everyone mm-hmm. else is different. Right. But if you dive in, I want to know about your English, French, Irish background. I want to know how you're connecting back to your culture. Mm. Because when you do that, you understand that that is part of your story. Therefore, you'll understand that other people can have their story and you're not so different in your stories, you right. know. Right. It's when you're considered to be the baseline and everyone else is, is you know, different. Different. That, really? that is where we get into the danger of white supremacy. Right. How did you know I was Irish? (laughs) I I was trying to actually riff off what Kate, my partner's (laughs) background was. I was like, Irish, English, French.
0: (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not. I mean, Cork. I'm from Cork. Oh, Oh my gosh. I've been there. It's great. Oh, cool. I have not. Okay, so when does Emile's training come out called How Not to Be an Asshole? <laughs> because yeah. that feels so appropriate.
1: You know, I think I'd call it something more benign than that, but it exists. I've I've okay, done it with yes. a lot of organizations. I start off with things that are more palatable to to executives, like calling things like I do a really great session called It Starts With You, which is mm. of the letter U. And ah. that's the whole idea is to understand that we all have unconscious bias so that we can then uncover what they are with the hopes of unlearning them right so that's really like it's not unconscious bias and the fact of like telling you what unconscious bias is it's actually diving into our own cross cultural communication and how it's a physical exercise that you do and it's facilitated and you actually can see the right. outcomes and it's something that I've done all over the world actually and wow. it's been super impactful whether it's a group of youth to a group of leaders to um, a group of, of community members it's, it's very impactful so that's one of the ways that I dive into that work I crack people open for lack of a better mm-hmm. word and it's a bit of a violent thing to say but it, it really opens up that conversation and then we dive into the work
0: I love it yeah. You you mentioned two things and both feel important more than ever right now, and that is trans inclusion and people of color. And and if we take this to the workplace, just to put some boundaries mm-hmm. around things right now, can you help me understand, I don't even want to call it the low-hanging fruit, but the the places and spaces where organizations are typically not turning a blind eye but just might not even know any better around how they can be more inclusive to trans folks in in ways they haven't before or what are some things that you're
1: hearing and seeing
0: you know that you're like come on you can do better
1: right now you know, it's interesting because i think that there are a lot of opportunities and one of the things that i would encourage people to do is look at your employee life cycle and mm. like start with your employee life cycle and see what the journey of that employee is from before they even join your team Mm. to the onboarding of that team member to their experience of being there. And then, you know, the offboarding and legacy piece. Mm. And you'll see in that journey where there's that opportunity as well as like, you know, I call it opportunity, but where you're really not hitting the mark or when you're putting, you know, an, an employment application out there for someone to apply is are you asking for gender and if you asking are you asking for it for a reason like mm. my first question is why yeah. and people are like how many options should we put on it put on the application and I'm like okay great we can go down that path we can go down the path of the number of, uh, of options for gender but my curiosity is why do we need to even have it there
0: right In the first you way. know
1: What, yeah, like what is the requirement of that, that you you need to know before someone applies, you know, is the language that you're using in your policies binary? Like, you know, um, if a team member does this and he slash she X, Y, Z, is that necessary? Can you use the gender neutral they for, for that um, policy? Because that's fine. It's actually a singular they has been recognized. Um, So can you just shift that language right now? Like, doesn't take that long to do that kind of stuff. Um, do your systems actually require legal names and are those legal names then going to be shown on a screen as you're working on things like why is there a way of putting a profile name up instead and not preferred name I think we need to get away from this idea that a name is preferred Mm. it's like maybe there's a legal name and us non-binary trans queer folks that change our names know that we have to deal with some legalities if we're not going to legally change it. So we're, 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 used to that. We're like, okay, for payroll, we right. have to submit a check that might have that name, but they're going to make sure that they keep that information secure. But then when I look myself up on my internal communication in, you know, internal site, I don't want to see that name. Right. Is, and I don't want my colleagues as they're walking by to see that name when I'm looking at how much, you know, vacation time I have left. Right. So, what are your systems in place and what are, uh, what are the things that you can do out of the box of mm. your internal systems? And then what are the things that you need to actually go and engage those service providers like Sun Life or <laughs> PeopleSoft or, you know,
0: Yeah.
1: to actually change. Change. Amazing.
0: What about the same question in the realm of people of color? Yeah. It feels you know, like a really big question right now.
1: I think with people so there's there's two things here. There's diversity and there's inclusion. And Mm. the ADP VP of D and I said diversity is the what and inclusion is the how. Mm. And I really like that because what the what is, you know, what is the what is like the the team member uh, sorry, team look like? What is the make of the team? Like how many folks of color are there? How many, is there gender parity? You know, that is the what, but the, how is how are these folks going to interact with each other? How are they going to get a sense of, of community? Mm. And how are they going to be supported? And how are they going to feel and succeed and perform um, and be connected to the workplace? Mm. And that's the piece that I think is the piece that we are struggling with right now, because going out and finding that one Black a board member is not the answer. Right. <laughs> like right, looking at your board structure and governance and breaking it down or leadership, C-suite, team, that is where the work needs to happen and then realizing that where the where the implicit and explicit bias exists and then reworking it. Like hmm. I'm sorry, but some of these things are going to have to take down to their studs and then rebuild.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And some things, yeah, open up a couple board you know, uh, opportunities and yeah. seats on your board, and yes, invite more people in. But the tokenism is something that should be high on someone's sensitivity right now, right? Because you're not that one. I'm not going to speak for all trans people of color or children of immigrants. You know, right? I'm. It's just not going to be what I'm going to be able to do. So when they're like, "Yeah, we need to look at diversifying our leadership team and our recruitment strategies," I don't want all heads to turn to me. Yeah. and then have me come up with strategy.
0: Yeah,
1: What I really want is for fe- folks to be like, we want to include more people on the board, and this is how we're going to have them feel included in the workplace. Right. We're going to build an ERG, like an employee resource group. Yeah, And that's for folks to actually be connected to each other, not to give advice to the organization. That's just for community, right? Yeah. And then we're going to have an advisory board um, that is going to keep us accountable that will au- actually like have projects that they're part of. So those are folks that you're actually doing work with and alongside. Right. Yes, there could be some people from the ERG in the advisory board. And I'm sorry, I'm getting like really into this. Because if it. someone were to like listen to this podcast i want to give them the strategies, but just know that the function, the terms of reference and the purpose of both of those groups are very different. One right. is for connection, one of it, one of it is for like us folks of color to be in a room without anyone white and feel like we can just kind of let go a little. Yeah. yeah. And then the other is like, hopefully working alongside allies of all lived experience to say, how do we make this place better? Yeah. And work for everyone. Yeah. And have everyone feel included and yeah. let's get some projects going.
0: Yeah.
1: Very different.
0: <sighs> Absolutely. And when you say it that way, it's so clear of just how different it is. And especially the experience for you. And I'm so mindful, you know, I think of your, your previous employer and how, I don't know how diverse it was at head office where you were working, but I can imagine that there was a lot on your shoulders. A lot of the conversation
1: was for you to bear. And is that true? Or am I? You know, it, it, it isn't, isn't it? Because MEC is actually pretty, like when it comes to head office and I think in our stores, there are diverse like folks, a lot of mixed staffers like, come from a diverse lived background. Yeah. Um, could it be better? Absolutely, the outdoor industry has, has right. you know, historically right. been white and male. Yeah. So absolutely could be better, okay. but I think that we had it, when I developed the DISCO, which is the Diversity Inclusion Steering Committee, it's an internal committee and anyone could join an ally or person with lived experience. Predominantly, it was people with lived experience. And we had easily 30 to 50 people
0: oh, wow. from across
1: the the organization and across positions. And that wasn't even all the folks of color. It was just folks that were interested in being a part of it. Yeah. And cool. people with like, yeah, diverse lived backgrounds, not just folks of color.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. And I will still acknowledge that you carry a greater load than I do. And, yeah. and people are coming to you for more than they would ever come to me. And so by virtue of that alone, I won't know, I don't know what it's like to carry the load as you have. And I am wondering how you take care of yourself. Like how, how do you lighten the load? What is your proverbial mm. Like emotional massage that makes it possible for you to get up and, and do this and be in this work every One day. Of,
1: yeah, absolutely. One of the things that maybe kind of isn't uh, intuitive is is you is you, Steph. Like is someone like you, like in order to do this work and and you know my version of you at MEC was you know really amazing people. I'll give them like a little shout out: Ryan McKee, Diana Etherington, Sarah Rushton, like folks that are white. Mm -hmm. and would stand beside me and uh in in meetings in those moments and work alongside of me to do this work because Mm -hmm. you know a good example ryan and uh, who is the director brand at MEC, and i would stand up in a room i knew that people would assume that i care about this i mean look at me i've got rainbows literally pouring (laughs) out of my eyes and mouth and you know in the summer i get my chin nods from my from my you know black brothers and sisters so it's like it's it's definitely obvious that I would care but when Ryan walks up it's like he looks like your brother he looks like your boyfriend your son your brother-in-law you know your neighbor and people are like okay you know what I know that Emil cares about this and I get why they care about it listening to Ryan talk about it opens up a bit more like it just Mm -hmm. there's that creak of the door that he can open up and I can kind of walk in and woof right listen up everybody yeah and then and ryan is fantastic at that he'll open that door for me to walk through with the knowledge and the experience that i have but that combo is where i i can i can do so much more Mm -hmm. if i have an ally or an accomplice Mm -hmm. with me
0: got it yeah amazing Oh, gosh. Well, that's really cool. Let's get up to fun work together in the world, okay? <laughs> Can we riff on your personal life for a hot second?
1: Yeah, it's, it is. it uh, is. Talk about a hot mess. It is, <laughs> it is happening right now. Well, I don't
0: think it's a hot mess. I think it's a hot bundle of love. But you mentioned there was a little squawk in the background that you have a seven-day-old babe and you also have a
1: 25
0: okay, and. Tell me, transparenting in Vancouver in 2020. Yeah.
1: It's a <laughs> thing. It's a thing. You know, we're you know, we live in I live in a bubble. I live just off the drive, like a Amazing. skip from Trout Lake. So yeah. like I am blessed. I know mm. that. I am privileged. I've got like secure housing, a loving partner, my both of our sides of our parents, in fact, Kate's parents are here right now, my in-laws, they love us and support us. And I know that that isn't the case for a lot of folks. So mm. I recognize that. You know, I come from like a mixed race background and my mom is Indian. And, you know, it's, it's a real thing for mm. South Asian families and, you know, trans folks and, and queer folk. Mm. I think we've come a long way, but I do think it's a thing. So I, I appreciate that I have that support. Mm. So I am a bit of a bubble situation, but I, when I leave my bubble is like, wow, like we went strawberry picking this morning out in a local farm. I won't mention where, but it was beautiful. Like we were out picking strawberries with my kid and my father-in-law and my brother. It was the sweetest outing ever. Mm. And of course the moment comes where little Bubba has to go to the loo. So I'm going to take my kiddo to the loo, the loo being the bathroom. Yeah. And i that's that navigation piece. And I hate mm. to make it about bathrooms because trans yep. like, issues are more than bathrooms. But I'm like, all right, I'm becoming more masculine in my approach. And I don't want women to feel uncomfortable because mm. I've been on tea for quite a while. And so I go to the men's washroom and as I'm walking, someone's policing me as I'm walking with my kid, even telling me where I'm going and why I'm doing the thing. and And mm. like, what am I doing? Like pretty assertively, And I'm like with my child who has a full bladder. I just wanted to use the loo. Like, you know, it's, and that's 20 minutes from my house. Right. So it's, it's a real thing that weighs heavily on me on a daily basis. And it's, and I wish I could say they're just microaggressions. It's been pretty macro lately. They're not. Yeah. Gosh. (laughs) But I have dimples. So, you know. (laughs) I literally just look at them with a, (laughs) you know, I do, I have, my mother gave me grace and I appreciate Mm. it. I just, and, and humor. Mm. I just splash my dimples and say, my kids just gotta go pee, you Mm. know? And then I keep
0: walking. And you keep going. Amen. Wow. I, I said this actually on social and I mean, I'll say it right to your face (laughs) on this podcast of how grateful I am that you and your partner are raising children because the future feels bright if kids can grow up with love, like the two of you. And it's, you know, I didn't grow up knowing parents could exist this way. And it's really neat to just see that, that love really doesn't need to exist in a binary and it doesn't need to exist in any form of tradition that we've once thought. And if kids are learning this or seeing this and being birthed into this, I I just hope that, you know, we won't experience this rage that has been the pandemic the same way, perhaps. All right. The time goes too fast. Just like that, we must wrap this podcast and we wrap every podcast with our favorite last question. And that is, Emil, what is currently making your heart beat faster?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I think First, in the context, I'll do if, if I do this thing where I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you two parts to your question. I want it. And the first part is in the context of our world right now, my heart beats fast thinking of everyone that is lifting up and supporting us right now. And that's like the folks that are delivering our packages, the folks that are bagging our groceries, That are leaving their homes and every day uh, in support of us our frontline healthcare workers our teachers that are supporting our kids i really they make my heart beat fast because they remind me where we as a society should be spending our time and energy we Mm -hmm. should be spending our time and energy in the economy of care and the economy of craft Mm -hmm. of our local businesses our local farmers our local grocery stores, and the people that are taking care of the most precious things in our lives, Mm. our elders, our family members, our children. And specifically, what makes my heart beat fast now more about me Mm. than the world is my partner. Mm. And she is all of those things. She is a physician. And for the first part of the pandemic was leaving our home to take care of folks and dealing with Real uncertainty in her last trimester of pregnancy. And then, when she couldn't work anymore, being so pregnant, she then offloaded her colleagues by working on 811, which folks can call that now and speak to a doctor or a nurse if they're wondering about symptoms or anything that they're facing in their health. And all the while, she in our relationship has done nothing but seen me. Mm. And what that looks like in our family means that no book that my kid reads erases my role in her life. Uh, from a person of color perspective, from a trans perspective, we are always visible in what our child consumes in literature, in songs, and that is hard work. Mm. And she does that work for me and our, for our family. And uh, that is allyship to me, and and it means like the world to me, and it makes my heart not only beat fast but grow.
0: Oh gosh, you're gonna make me cry because <laughs> if there's one thing we need right now, it's the people that are doing the work, and then what we need are the people like you who are appreciating those that are doing the work, and. I am just so grateful to have had the chance to have met you, to have connected with you, to record this podcast. I say this with my whole heart that I cannot wait to continue to work together and to find ways to to bring these stories to the world and you really have made a huge dent in my heart. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And I'm so excited to see and to hear what's next for the corker collective
0: Mm. and
1: yeah i'm huge fans a huge fan of of both you and your brother and the work that you do and yeah let's let's keep doing something together
0: yeah here we go